the web's Michael Smith. It's episode number 60 of the Canes cast. And you know what? What's that? We're off to a good start. Indeed, we are. I like it when the titles kind of write themselves. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, man, no effervescence Ooh. in that one, buddy. Yeah, you might want to take that one back. A little flat. I might need to check the date on that. Oh, oh no. Man. Still looks good. All right, yeah. you're good. Cheers. Your energy drink is good to go. Yep. Which, by the way, it's if, that point of the season. if they want to sponsor Kane's sure. Cast or any beverage company or food or car or whatever, we're good. Yeah. We're with everyone. Coming up today, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes canceled their practice, so there was no skate today. Michael and I wanted to get you an interview, but instead it'll just be Michael and I looking back on the first three games of the season, looking ahead to the final home game before the team goes on a three-game road trip. That should be, I'm going to use the word perilous, because when you've got to play Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Tampa on the road, basically what, we're talking four games and or three games and four nights? Yep, that's it. That's going to be it's going a, be a little, little, little tough, but so far the Canes have shown a lot of energy, things to like. We're also going to thank you, the fine listeners of Kane's Cast, for finally providing the Webb's Michael Smith with a like it, no, keep it. I came up with all of these on my own. <laughs> no, you have not, <laughs> because somehow I get looped in when they get tweeted uh, at you. I, I have, have no idea what you're talking I about. I actually have it on my, my uh, what is it, tweet deck. Yeah, no. A they're... separate column that anytime anybody writes the word like and at Michael Smith at the same time. No, it's all original thoughts. Get alerted to it. Uh <laughs> You know, it's been good. I think everybody's in a really good mood right now, Michael, for one reason. The Canes have gotten off to a good start. We sensed that there was something different about this team mm-hmm. in training camp, how mm-hmm. head coach Rod Brindamore was running it. There was a different energy level. There seemed to be a little bit of a, a lighter mood in the locker room, just to, to put that out there for folks. And, and by the way, the Carolina Hurricanes now are 2-0-1 to start the season. Five points. It is their best start since they relocated here to the Triangle. I mean, that's just putting it in perfect terms. The best start they had since they moved to the Triangle was in 2000-2001 when they started the season 1-0-2, and that's when you had ties. So they're off to a really good start, and I think the game yesterday, and if you're listening to this here on Monday as uh, our Canes cast drops, episode 60, Canes are off to a good start. Uh, if you were at the game on yesterday, uh, on Sunday yesterday, you saw how much fun hockey can be. It was a little bit of pond hockey, a little bit scrambly at times, but an 8-5 win as the Canes came back from four deficits to take take the W. And this is just kind of one of these byproducts now. You know, you start winning, you start having fun, things start becoming contagious. And speaking of having fun, we'll get to some celebrations in a moment. But, you know, what do you take out of the first three games that we've seen? I mean, I think you said it best is it's just it's been fun. It's been we talked about it before the season started that it's tough to explain, but it just it's something about going into the locker room. And we're only in there for a portion of the time. These guys come in early in the morning. They stay, they work out, they leave way after we do. But even in the, the brief period of time that, that we get to spend in the locker room, it just felt different. Um, and I think that's that's a big credit to, to Rod Brindamore and what he's been able to do as head coach, and also a credit to Justin Williams and, and him leading the charge in the room as captain of the team. Just the, I guess you can call it culture. The culture that, they'll, that they're building um, is, it's fun, and it's led to entertaining hockey games. It's led to early success for the Hurricanes. 
Um, and there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of yep. promise with this group. Uh, I think there are plenty of things that we we can get to dissecting these first three games that maybe didn't go so well, and, and they're working through those, and that's to be expected, especially with such a young group. But to get five out of six points in your first three games is is big. It's big. And we, we talked about getting off to a good start, and the Hurricanes have been able to do that so far. Uh, you mentioned the, the road trip coming up. Three games in, in three very tough cities against three very tough teams uh, is going to be, the I, I think, the, the real first challenge for this club uh, to see what they're made of. But uh, you mentioned it yesterday. They faced four deficits, and that's that's adversity that the team was able to overcome. So, so far in these first three games, I've been really impressed with what I've seen, uh, and it's been it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And I and I hope that uh, the fans watching at home or or in the stands at PNC Arena have have felt that as well. That it's just it, it's different and it's fun, and these guys are just they're having fun coming to the rink every day, and I think that's translating itself on the ice. Well, look, this is something that has been building. And that's what Rod Brindamore has wanted. He's trying to rebuild, I think, everything you just said, Michael, is on point, which is a foundation, a culture, an environment that fosters guys wanting to be here in Carolina, that the shield, the crest, the logo means as much to the guys on the team as it does to the head coach of this team. And I think that there's an early buy-in. Jordan Martinook, after the game yesterday, said he's never been on a team like this where if they get down, there's no panic. It's like, okay, we'll get the next goal, or they fell down two goals. There was no panic on the bench, and I think you're starting to see that. And there's something about playing a game, and yes, it's a business, and it's a lot of money that these guys are making and is involved in professional sports, so I'm not trying to downplay this, but being around it the way we are, and I'm a huge sports fan, the web's Michael Smith. Yes, I believe UTV's Mike Maniscalco. Thank you. It, it's still a game, and you've got yeah. to have fun playing a game. Now, there are guys who are serious about it, but the fun comes from winning for those guys. They do know how to have fun when that opportunity is there, but you've got to allow these guys to go out and play. And I think the difference for this Canes team right now versus previous teams is guys aren't afraid to make a mistake. And this is a game where it's played so fast – the puck, while it is flat, it bounces, it rolls. Things are going to happen that don't go your way. And in the case of a lot of players in the history of this sport, you make a mistake, there's the bench, and you're going to sit on it for a while. Rod Brindamore and his coaching staff right now, with Jeff Daniels and Dean Chenault, aren't doing that. You make a mistake, get back out there and, and make up for it. You know, you're going to have that opportunity to go out and, and play. And I think that the guys are enjoying that right now. And, again, small sample size, Very just small. three games in. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, what, a, a 79th of the way through the season? Yeah, the Stanley Cup is not awarded after game three, even no, it's though it not. would be nice. But to the same end about getting off to this, this start, I went back and looked up some numbers. Last year, the Carolina Hurricanes in October, they played 10 games. They were 4-4-2, four, four, 10 points. They're halfway to their point total of last October. The year before that, they played eight games because, what, we had the World Cup of Hockey uh, two seasons ago. So mm -hmm. there was only eight games. The Canes were two, four, and two. They're one point off of the pace that they had two Octobers ago. So while before you, that, it was 0-6-2, I exactly, believe. Exactly, yeah. And it's one of those things, Michael, where 
You don't win the Stanley Cup in October, but you know what you can do? You can make it really hard to get to the playoffs. Yep. And we've seen that a lot around here. And that's the difference right now. And I think it's not hope. I think it's energetic. I think it's fun. And for me, what was good to see, Sunday afternoon against the Rangers, there were a lot of people in this building to, mm-hmm. to watch a, what turned out to be an entertaining hockey game. And this is how this team is going to play. And they're going to have fun. And I think it leads to what has become – a big talking point in the NHL after Sunday, the Hurricanes victory celebration after the game where they lined up on the blue line. They tried to get like the – I'm going to throw in my Minnesota Vikings yeah, fandom I here. I figured that was coming. You know, the, <laughs> the Vikings skull clap. But, I mean, you see that around – It's you see that around soccer arenas in Europe and things like that. And then the sprint to the boards and the jump in the glass, it was kind of, uh, as Justin Williams has said, impromptu, a little off the cuff. Not the sharpest celebration that was ever out there, but I like I like spontaneous celebrations, yes. things like that. They knew they were going to do things. Yeah, they just weren't sure what they were going to do, and I, I think it's great. It's it's fun. As Crash Davis once said, "It's a game. Let's have fun." Exactly, and that's I, I went with the edited for television, yeah. the edited for television, <laughs> or in this case, edited for. Although it's a podcast, I can say whatever I want, but I'm not you could, going to. But we are very family I, friendly. I leave that. I leave that to other people. No explicit tags here. Yeah, exactly. But I was packing up uh, my backpack to head downstairs after the game last night and saw them line up on the the blue line and start to clap. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's different than you know what yeah. you usually see, like the little twirl around center ice or whatever sticks up and and they're gone. But then they started skating down the other end of the ice. I was like, oh, are they just going to go to the other blue line and do the same thing? And then they just kept going and kept going and then leapt into the glass. And it was it was great. It was fun. It was completely unique. Never oh, yeah. seen anything like it before. Uh, I know they do have some traditions over in Europe uh, where where teams get creative and, and how they thank the fans. And I think this takes some inspiration from that. And they've... They've carved a nice little niche, you know, as maybe stick around after yep. the game finishes and see what the team uh, comes up with because it might stay the same. It might change. Who knows? Yeah. You'll for just have to stay tuned to find out. For me, I'm on the bench because I, I get to interview the first star of the game. And I saw it and I went, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're doing the clap. And I was I was kind of hoping the fans would get into it. I'm not supposed to, but I actually, you know, kind of, yeah, this is what they want you to do. And I think everybody was kind of, wait, what's going on here? What's going on here? What are we doing? This is different. Let's wait and see. Well, you know, you can get into it. And then when they took off, I mean, the crowd just lost it. That was great. And And that's the thing. Sports should be fun. There's, and by the way, it's a platform for a lot of things. I'm not going to go and make a crazy Ivan on you on this one. Uh, that's a Hunt for Red October reference for those who don't not, do not know. But, you know, it's a platform for a lot of things, but you can have fun. And I'm glad in a sport that's known for being buttoned down and, you know, being respectful. And that's one of the things I love about hockey. I've also loved, Michael, the pure joy of celebrations, of big goals and big wins that you see from teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, go through history – you know, the highlights that they show you of uh, guys scoring playoff goals and then skating across the ice on their, their knees and, it, you know, yeah. sliding across, being excited, and, you know, teams jumping over the bench, all of those things. It's okay to have fun. Yeah. And, I mean, and I, the Canes I, did that. I, I think there is a point where you talk about disrespect or something. There, there are probably some celebrations that, that cross that sure. line. But 
seeing like Lucas Walmart drop to one knee, give the fist pump, or Andrei Svechnikov after he scores his first goal, little fist pump, one leg, leap into the glass. I mean, that's fun. It's nice to see personality. It's fun to see guys smiling, having a good time. I, I, I think the best piece of advice I've heard in sports is if you don't want the guy celebrating, stop him. Yeah, that's always been my thing. Yeah. Always, you know, when you play against a team, they're running up the score. Well, if you don't want them to run up the score, don't let them score. To that. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's how it comes into. There's a few things that we do need to break down, though, from these first three games. And, Michael, we can take this in, in a lot of directions. But one of them is you got a lot of young players on this team. Yes. And as a coaching staff, you've got to try to, to insulate them. You don't want to put a guy out on an island right away. Few guys can step into a professional sport at the highest level at 18, 19 years of age and just take it over. You know, there are very few. You can count them on one hand. Few players like that. Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. You know, even Sidney Crosby struggled a little bit early on. I mean, he, he got it, but Connor McDavid, guys like that, you got to try to protect young players when you can. The good news for the Hurricanes, and what I love about that win against the Rangers, Martin Nachos gets his first NHL point, a big assist for the Canes if they needed, and Andrei Svechnikov gets his first NHL goal. You saw the celebration, the first star. But I don't know if you got this, but I was getting this a lot. Why is Andrei Svechnikov not playing with player X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. And part of that is he is being insulated with a player like Jordan Martinuk, who is a rough-and-tumble player, which, by the way, I think we're finding out has a little bit more skill than anybody knew about and the way he's putting pucks in the net right now, and Lucas Walmark, who is a good center. And you put him on a line where you don't have to have him go out against the top line of your opposition. You can, you can match him up, and that's what Rod Brindamore's doing, and that's why that line is clicking. So let it happen. Don't worry. Andrei Svechnikov, at some point in time, is going to play with, and if you think it should be Sebastian Ajo as a center or Martin Nachos or whoever, that's going to happen. But let him let him get his feet wet, and he's got more than his feet wet. He's jumped into the pool now, and, and he's starting to swim. So I've had no problem with how the lines have been designed for the Carolina Hurricanes. If anything, I like putting Michael Furland up with Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen because that gives them that guy who is going to create space for them. Yep. If somebody's going to take liberties on the two fins, Michael Furland is going to make sure they don't. Exactly. And then, I mean, what can we say about Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams and, and how well they have been able to play so far this year? I mean, it's just been fun to watch, and it doesn't matter if you have Brock McGinn on that wing or not. They have just been a really effective line. Uh, Jordan Stahl is playing, I think, maybe his best hockey that we've seen in, in quite some time. Michael. Yeah, uh, we talked about it right before we press record, is that Jordan Stahl quietly, uh, and not in terms of at least putting up points, because he does, he's, he is tied for the team lead with four points, uh, two and two through three games, but quietly in that he's not one of the, the flashy guys like uh, Warren Fogle, who scored two yesterday, or Andrei Svechnikov, who everyone has their eyes on, and rightfully so, um, or even Sebastian Ajo. He's just, he's gone out, uh, and just played, I think, some of his best hockey in a Hurricanes uniform. He's been physical. He's been strong. Uh, he's anchored that line with, with Justin Williams and Warren Fogle. Uh, and those three have just, I think, outworked their opponents more often than not. And it's been fun to watch Jordan Stahl play 
this style of hockey. I think I, from day one, I got a sense that uh, he had a bit of weight lifted off his shoulders just you know, coming into this new season, uh, moving past uh, the unfortunate off-ice uh, things he had to deal with last year with his wife and his family, um, and even the double captaincy, the co-captaincy of uh, you know, who's really leading the team on which night. I think moving past all of that has, has really just lifted a weight off his shoulders, and he's, he's come into camp refreshed um and and ready to ready to get back to the playoffs where uh he spent a number of years with the Pittsburgh Penguins uh and and early on in the season it showed I think uh, he's been arguably the Hurricanes best player uh, he's been great in the faceoff circle he's been great on that line with Williams and Fogle as mentioned uh, and he's tied for the team lead in scoring and that's not he can provide uh, that offensive element, but he's not necessarily one of the ones where you were looking down the lineup and you said, okay, he's got to give us X amount of points or X amount of goals, but so far he's doing that. Uh, and as for Andrei Svechnikov, you know, the, the I, I don't know if I want to call it panic over him playing on the fourth line, if you even want to call it the fourth line, because, again, we've we've been through the whole numbering hey, thing. Coaches don't do that anymore. But he's playing on a line with – Lucas Walmark and Jordan Martinook, which, as you mentioned, has actually been a really good line. Yep. And Jordan Martinook is proving to be a sneaky, sneaky good acquisition that the Hurricanes made in May with that trade with Arizona. Um, but it's it's not – he's not going to play there forever, one. Um, he's easing uh, – Rod Brindamore is easing him into the league. He's not putting too much pressure on him, saying, okay, you're going to play with – Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen, and you're going to play against the best players in the league, go out and improve yourself. He's getting a chance uh, to find his footing in this league. And, and I think sooner rather than later, you're going to see him play with some other guys, perhaps a guy like Martin Nechas or, or a guy like Sebastian Ajo. But Andrei Svechnikov is, is, is very young. You know, he's uh, the first player born in the 2000s to score a goal in the NHL. Um, and he's... He's finding his footing in the league. He's getting power play time. Yep. Uh, he's he's playing five on five. So it's I I don't I don't see the panic in the situation at all. You know he's played he's played three NHL games, and he's gonna play a whole lot of seasons in the NHL. So I I would not panic about where he finds himself in the lineup. It's not um it's not a Putting him on the the we'll call it the fourth line for the sake of discussion. Oh, boo. It doesn't say as much. It, it says nothing about him. Um, it, it's and it just, says nothing about the confidence or lack thereof that the team has in him. Either. Right. It just doesn't. So I'm sorry. It, well, it's there, it's it's a matter of depth. One because yeah. the Hurricanes are uh, relatively deep at the forward position this year, and it just says that that Rod Brindamore knows exactly what he wants to do with his rookie because he's been there. Uh, he wants to put him with guys who are relatively experienced. And I know Lucas Walmart might not be the most experienced center that the Hurricanes have, but Rod Brindamore said today, Walmart's been in this organization for a while. He's a guy that you know is a good player. You can trust him. And that's exactly what uh, Brindamore wants for Svechnikov, is being able to put him with players who he's going to be able to trust throwing over the boards. Which, by the way, on the other side of that, how about giving – Lucas Walmark, players who can make him a better center. And Andrei Svechnikov can certainly do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of – it's a hand-in-glove thing for you. And, you know, not that people are running around like the sky is falling, but, folks, 
there's a method to it. Yeah. There just is a reason. all the madness. Thank you. A logic. There is something that that goes behind it. They just don't say, oh, well, we're just going to put Andrei Svechnikov here and hope he plays well. There's a reason why they did it. And I'm glad you brought up Warren Fogle because that – I know I mentioned Justin Williams and Jordan Stahl. Mm. Warren Fogle might be the reason why that line is so good. Uh, He has stepped in to just a a really good role for this Hurricanes organization. When Rod Brindamore says, you know, he is one of those guys that you look at and he just plays the game you want to see the way the game should be played for a young guy. That's high praise. Uh, He also had that same praise for Jordan Martinuk. I asked him yesterday uh, before the start of the third period, what is it about Jordan Martinuk? He goes, he gives energy every single shift. He goes, he's exactly what I want every player to do every shift they're on the ice. And Warren Fogle kind of does the same thing. So you got two guys into the mix who really weren't here last year who are really raising the game. And, oh, by the way, if Warren Fogle would have gotten the hat trick, he would continue to be on his goal a game for his career pace. That's yeah, pretty impressive. That is that is pretty, pretty awesome. He was gunning for it, too. He mentioned yesterday in the locker room he was looking for that hat trick. But I'm sure it'll come sooner rather than later. He's got the talent and the skill there. He's got a knack for the net. You saw yesterday his first goal was nothing uh, it was nothing special. It wasn't a beautiful shot or anything. He just got himself in position along the side of the net, through the puck yeah. towards the net, and, and slid it past the goaltender. And that's that's what he does. That's the You look at the two goals he scored last year. It was the same kind of thing. It was just uh, getting his nose to the front of the net, getting to the dirty areas, and, and finding a way to score. And again, his second goal, same thing, in front of the net, banging it in. Well, how about his assist? Heads up play that he yeah. knows that he's got Jordan Stahl hard charging down the middle. And instead of going, well, I'm going for the glory here, he just pushes it in front and lets Stahl pick it up and do the rest of the work and get the goal. So smart play, fun play. And that was a fun hockey game. Yeah. You know what? Probably not as much for Rod Brendamore, his coaching staff, or the New York Rangers coaching staff. But I will say this. Not not fun in in that the systems were a disaster. Probably not for Dean Chanelth who's running the defense yes. for the Hurricanes because there's a lot of things that were not the the back six's fault, but they have to go and deal with it. Uh, probably not great for Mike Bales. Probably not great for Peter Mrazek, uh, who, by the way, Peter Mrazek, this is a compliment what I'm about to say. That was a Grant Fuhr performance, which there's a legendary story, and I think I might have shared it on the Canes cast before, but Grant Fuhr, the legendary goalie for one of the best – dynasties in the history of sport the Edmonton Oilers in the early 80s they would just blow everybody's doors off and the story goes Fuhr would walk into the locker room and say how many can I give up tonight now I don't think Peter Mrazek <laughs> did that but what Grant Fuhr knew is time and place for big saves keep the team in it come up with a big save Peter Mrazek came up with some big saves there's going to be some questions about the goaltenders we're going to get to that people have uh, sent in to us via the old Twitter machine and other spots but you know, I think that Rod Brindamore, other coaches would be like, hated that game, don't want to play it that way. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. You know, he. if I'm a coach, I love it because my guys kept coming over the boards and kept coming up with an answer. And now you win a game, you're resilient, and you can teach off of that game, Michael, to your point. Yeah. Teach well, systems, teach positioning, right. all of those things. And so, what I like is is his approach to analyzing the game – and then discussing it with this team because it's not 
hey, you know, we we really messed this thing up early. We got down in a 2-0 hole. Now, there are things there that the, the team is going to want to correct, and there, there are plenty of things that the team defensively is going to want to correct uh, heading into Tuesday's game and then into the road trip. But his approach has been, okay, well, those things have happened, but I'm going to look at the positive side of it, and, hey, we've earned five of a possible six points in our first three games. We're finding ways to score goals. When we get down by a goal or even two, as as they were against the Rangers on Sunday evening, there's not a sense of panic. There's not a sense of dread. I, you know, I, I think if you if you take that ga- if you take Sunday's game and place it into the 2017-18 season, the Rangers take a 2-0 lead, and and that's it. The Canes are probably done. Shut it down. That's it. But not this team. This nope. team yesterday. You never felt, even down 2 nothing early to a team that had played the night before, you never felt like the Hurricanes were out of it. And sure enough, they come back, they get a goal, they get another goal, and they just they, they keep fighting back, keep coming. They're relentless uh, in their pursuit of offense. Uh, and by the third period, I think they had just worn the Rangers down. Uh, the Rangers didn't have much pushback there on the second half of back-to-back, and the Hurricanes' attack was just too much for them. And that's what that's what the Hurricanes are going to try to do to all of their opponents this year, is simply just outwork them uh, in their aggressive attack. They're going to take chances. They're going to be breakdowns. Mistakes are going to be made, but it is a game of mistakes. Uh, and this is a young team that, that that's going to learn as they go. Uh, but so far, so good. And... I, I think uh, what we've seen in the first three games has been uh, encouraging. I won't say it's been entirely unexpected because I I sort of thought this team might have a chance to, to maybe make some noise this year, uh, and, and so far they have. And now they're getting some attention around the league of, okay, maybe, maybe this team we shouldn't take so lightly. So um, good stuff so far from, from Rod Brindamore and his team. Yeah, absolutely. And um... – Let's go back to the young player for a second. Sure. You want a little trivia time here? Okay. So Andre Svechnikov, with his goal, became the first player born in the 2000s. Andre 2000. To score a goal in the National Hockey League. Who was the first player born in the 90s to score a goal? I'll give you the date. It was done on 10-17-2008. It was for the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Nashville Predators. You will never get this. I would have never gotten this. <laughs> no, I well, <laughs> clearly then. Nikita oh. Fili- oh. Filatov. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Not the one I was thinking of. But after that, <laughs> going back to the 1940s, I'll go to the 40s uh, with names that you would know. The first player born in the 40s to score in the NHL, Stan Makita, who we just lost, a legendary Chicago Blackhawk. Gilbert Perrault, born in the 50s, was the first player uh, to score, born in the 50s, for the Buffalo Sabres. He did that to his Hall of Fame career. Born in the 60s to score. Two guys did it on the same day. Raymond Bork, he's a Hall of Famer, Mm -hmm. and Lindy Ruff, who Mm -hmm. people know in hockey terms. Mm -hmm. Then... The player born in the 70s and the player born in the 80s have Hurricanes ties. Marty Jelena, born in the 70s, he scored. uh, First player born in the 70s, he scored in 88. And Manny Malhotra, born in the 1980s. So three. uh, Scored in in 98. Three players with Hurricanes ties on that list. Exactly. Of of firsts. That's impressive. I mean, it it was only a matter of time for Svechnikov, especially after I, I think what you've seen from him has been better 
than what we've seen in Traverse City in the preseason. I think he's playing the best hockey that we've seen now, and it's only going to get better because he's only going to grow more confident um, as he continues to play games in this league. Yeah. But the play he made in the neutral zone on Friday night in Columbus to, to strip uh, the Columbus player of the puck, take the puck, move the rush back the other way, find Jordan Martinook uh, coming down high in the middle there and getting the assist. I mean, you figured it was only a matter of time before he was going to get his first goal. Um, I kind of figured it would be uh, one of his lethal shots. I mean, you saw how many shots he put on on net on uh, in Thursday's home opener, ring two off the post and uh, put one right off the mask of, of Thomas Grace. But uh, it turns out to be he's he's just he's got positioning in front of the net. He turns his stick and Justin Falk's shot goes off the stick and and right into the net. It was a, a perfectly placed redirection. Yep. Um, and and just a a snapshot of what of how varied and and talented his skill set is. Well, and on the Lucas Walmart goal, it was Svechnikov coming down with speed mm -hmm. and snaps one and just fires it over the top of Alexander Georgiev off of the boards. Martinuk gets it and then reloads it to the slot, and there's Walmart there for the goal. So he's going to score in a lot of different ways in this league, Michael. Yep. So lots of things to like. Again, lots of things that we like. First three games, what are the things we don't like from the Carolina Hurricanes? And I'm going to going to kind of have an asterisk on one because I think a lot of people are leaning towards something, but I'll wait and hear what you don't care for so far in the first three games or some housekeeping, if you will, things that need to be tidied up. Yeah, I think we've we've touched on it a little bit, but the, the team defense has been um, scrambly at times. It's been a little loose. There have been some blown coverages where, where guys have shaken loose off face-offs or someone's just – uh, lost uh, a winger or a center in coverage, and that's led to, to grade-A scoring chances that end up in the back of your net. That, I think, is, is the biggest uh, issue so far. But the good thing there is that it can be cleaned up. Uh, and, and Rod Brindamore, instead of having his team skate today, uh, used the time to go over some video. Still, he said, more video than he likes to typically go over because he says, you know, these young guys, their um, attention span isn't that that high uh, and you don't end up retaining a ton of information. But they did go over some video today to hopefully try to clean up some of these defensive breakdowns. And I think it is a learning process. I don't think it's going to be a, 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 an element of the game that plagues the Hurricanes for the entire season. I think some of it's uh, some of it's a learning process. I mean, you look at Sebastian Ajo the other night in Columbus. He's in his third year in the league, but again, he's adjusting to a new position center. He loses his man off the draw, uh, and Columbus puts it in the back of the net, the only one they got behind Curtis McElhaney. Um, but all of these things are, are a part of the process. All of these things, I think, were to be expected. And what's been nice about them is, is, is one, the Hurricanes are, are going to look at them and correct them, but two, they've been able to overcome them uh, and, and score goals of their own and then obviously succeed in prevailing and get the two points. So the defense has been – the team defense as a whole has been the, the biggest question mark for me so far. See, you, you bring that up, but I go back to how they shut down the Islanders on opening night. Like yeah. The Islanders didn't get anything. They got one goal in 60 regulation minutes, right. and they scored four on three in overtime. And same thing for Columbus. And they so, only got the one so, goal. So they, they did it. A little bit looser against Columbus because yeah. Curtis McElhaney, as you already pointed out, I don't need to go drive down that road again, stood on his head yeah, he and was, was amazing. So I saw the team defense kind of 
loosen up a little bit there. But at the same time, back-to-backs, you're going to play against a big, heavy team. Mm. You had to sit around and wait because of a 14-minute delay with the lights. At least you could have brought us some hot chicken takeover, Columbus. For shame, Columbus. Just saying. Uh, just throwing that in there. We're not talking about that just yet. So if they want to sponsor us too, oh, yeah. you know, we'd be For glad. We'll it's that. nowhere near Raleigh, but it's uh, we could bring it here. Sure, franchise, franchise. Yeah. Back to the point, though. Okay. <laughs> before we drift too far off of the point, <laughs> they only allowed one goal, and they came up with block shots, and that I think everybody's reacting to this scrambly eight-five game on a Sunday afternoon. It's where, chaotic. Where oh, what's wrong with the deep? I don't think there's anything wrong. I think this is what you're going to see with this team. The one thing I will point to is the power play. Mm. I think the power play needs to, once that gets going, Mm. we're seeing this team score goals now. Once they get the power play figured out, it'll be really good. And Rod Brindamore addressed it in the post-game press conference on Sunday. He really liked the power play on opening night on Thursday. They had tons of great eight chances, but the Islander goaltender Thomas Grice stood on his head, tip your cap, good for him. But they had lots of chances, just didn't convert. Yep. What, only one power play opportunity against Columbus? Mm-hmm. And then did score a power play goal uh, Sunday night, but that yeah, was but terrifying. It was an empty, empty yeah, but it was an empty netter. So that, while it counts in the stats, it wasn't really a power play goal. That's got to get going because we've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. That becomes an issue right? that we're not scoring on the power play. And then it's like, oh, does five-on-five five affect the power play? Does the power play affect five-on-five? Five? So – Early going three games in, it especially, that's a question. Yeah, and it especially becomes, I think, uh, the importance becomes heightened when defenses start to, to crack down, when coaches start to have their teams play a little more conservatively. I think, again, we talked about it before we press record. These first few weeks in the season always seem to be a bit more chaotic, uh, a bit more high scoring, but then – once you get further into the season, once that calendar hits November, you see coaches start to tighten up a bit. Games start to tighten up. You see the two ones, the three ones, the four twos, the games like that. You're not seeing these these eight five. These uh, I think Toronto won a seven six game last night. So it's yeah. There were two games where thirteen goals were scored. <laughs> defense optional, I guess. exactly. But you know, <laughs> but we that's kinda, fun. We kind of see this too, though. Also at the start of the year, don't we, Michael? We saw it last year. Yes, goal scoring was up. In October, and then all of a sudden, November, it was way down. Right. And how do we get goal scoring back up again? And that's when the you power also- play is going to become important, and you're going to need to convert on the two or three chances that you might have in a game. Yeah, so that's why that's mm-hmm. that's my concern. You've got a valid concern. I do believe on the team defense that it got a little bit looser from what we saw from Thursday to Friday, and then really Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon, got scrambly. And uh, we'll see. But this team is 2 one yeah. And there's still things that need to be that's what the, teachable for the, the entire group. Exactly, and that's what counts at the end of the day is that, okay, the defense has been a bit loose. Okay, the power play hasn't converted uh, that much, the, the one goal. But, hey, at the end of the day, the Hurricanes have five of possible six points, and that's a positive. That's a positive for this young team. All right. Well, positives right now for the Canes cast. It's when we get the chance to do this. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Thanks, Will Ferrell. And I actually have uh, a few this week. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you Thought don't. of them myself. No, you don't. You really don't. You really don't. <laughs> Shout out to Watson Bryan at Twitter for, <laughs> for writing this one for me. All right. So, 
You want the uh, – I've also learned, uh, thank you, Twitter, that I shouldn't make predictions until after a game's already been played. Oh. Thank you, Carl. Okay. If you like it, take it. If not, send it right back. The Hurricanes will have more than three players reach at least 50 points this season. More than three? Yes, three plus. So I guess that's – So I can set it at three? I suppose so. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take that. They'll get three players at 50 points. Yeah, I'll take that as well. Yeah, I think so. I I think right now we can pencil in Sebastian Ajo for 50. Mm -hmm. Uh, And right now he's tied for the team lead Mm -hmm. with four points with Jordan Mm -hmm. Stahl and with Jordan Martin – or is it Michael Ferland? Michael Ferland. Uh, Jordan Martinook is tied for the team lead in goals. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll take that. I I think we're going to get Sebastian Ajo. I think we'll get Tavo Teravainen, and then we can throw in another player in there. I mean, there's there's a bunch of candidates right now. Yeah. Jordan Stahl, mm-hmm. Warren Fogle. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I think we're going to see, yeah. I don't know if they'll get four, but I'll like three. Yeah, I'll take that as well. I like your thought process on that. All right, I, I've got one for you. I've got one for you. Oh, okay. Or are we going to – no, all right. Let's pretend that you actually came up with this one on your own too. Okay, I did. Um, well, you are the Webb's Michael Smith, so everything on there does belong to you. It is your so property. thank you, Optimistic Caniac, for uh, sending this our way. Uh, if you like it, take it. If not, send it back. Aho at center. I'm going to keep it. Yeah, I'm going to keep it. I just think that the way this team is built, he's their best option at center. Now when Victor Rask comes back, I don't know what that does down the middle for this team, but I'm going to keep Sebastian Aho there because I think he's gotten better every single game. Yep. And, again, it's a work in progress, mm. and that is a tough position to play in this league with some of the guys you have to go up against and you were looking at the face-off numbers, he's been really good in the dot for yeah. the first three. Almost uh, 60, 62%. Yeah. And then that's, uh, that's about even with what Jordan Stahl has done. Um, that, that's impressive for, for a guy like Sebastian Ajo going up, especially considering he's playing against some of the top lines of, of other teams. Yeah. I've liked him there. I, th- I think he's gotten better um, each game as he gets more used to his responsibilities in the middle. Um, I like keeping him in the middle also because the Hurricanes with Victor Rask out, their depth down the middle isn't as great mm-hmm. um, as it would have been. So you almost need him to, to be able to fill that spot. Of course, Jordan Martinuk could also fill that spot. But then you get into this uh, this thing of, of, of trying to fit players and in positions where they might not otherwise be as comfortable. And I think what the Hurricanes right now is they have three really good lines and one line trying to figure itself out. And uh, if they can get that line to figure itself out and the other three keep buzzing, it's it's only going to be – it's going to be fine. Yeah, it'll get figured out. The other reason why I'm going to keep it, because I've seen Sebastian Ajo play in the middle in the World Juniors and the World Championships for Finland. And, yeah, he's got world-class players on the wings, but I think he's going to get world-class players on the wings. Yeah. So we know he's effective there. He gets tons of points. I, I like it. I'll keep it. Okay, that's all I have. I had two. All right, look at you. <laughs> well, I, I had one. <laughs> okay. With no help. I I didn't have any help either. <laughs> this, no, none. <laughs> uh, the Hurricanes right now with five points mm. in three games in October. This Hurricanes team will finish October with 14 points. Mm. Okay, this is going to require some math. Yes. So there are, what, two, four, six, eight, nine games left in October. Yep, so that's 18 points, meaning they will get half of the available points that are left. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's extremely doable. So the, like, we, like we talked about, this road trip is going to be 
uh, the biggest test this team has faced thus far. And it's not this State Fair road trip it doesn't compare, uh, you know, to, to really any State Fair road trip in, in previous memory because it is pretty short. It's it's Minnesota, it's Winnipeg, it's Tampa. It is three games in four days, but the Hurricanes handled that uh, pretty well here opening weekend. Yeah, I think I think it's doable. Yeah, I, I just I put see that no out reason there. why. The reason why I put that out there is that Minnesota-Winnipeg-Tampa trip just bracing everybody for it could be tough. Just when I say tough on the scoreboard, could be tough for the start that the, the team has gotten off to. But you get nine points when you consider you've got four games on the road that are left of the nine. Four on the road, five at home. I, I actually wanted to say above 14, but I am split it down the middle, sure. trying to play it cautious. Um, I could see this team going 5-0 and at home or at some point, or 4-1 and four and one at home, and you know, just for argument's sake, 1-3 and three on the road. So there you go. You get your points. Now you get 10. Now you're at 15. Yep. But That's uh, how math works, and, I know, think. <laughs> you know what? Reading is I don't funda- know if you did it Reading wrong, is but... fundamental. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. You're talking about math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was told there'd be no math. I just asked you to. So. Let's open our mailbag because we've got some questions. Ooh, let's do it. Cameron asks, how many goals, how many more goals does Faux goal? See what he did there. Oh, well done, Bass8151. How many more goals does Faux goal get, and how hyped are you both about how the team has been playing so far? Well, how many more goals does he get? Does he, is he, you know what? I didn't include him in the 20 goal right. category He's when we did that the, the preseason. There. Yeah, I know. How many goals, how many more does he get? He's going to push for 20. I'm going to give a safe estimate. He's going to get 16 more goals, so okay. that'll put him at 18. Okay. I think he's going to go above it, but I'm going to – I'm playing this one. I'm playing – I'm slow playing it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think if you would have said 15 to 20 before the season, I would have I would have agreed. And I think uh, I think that's a I think it's a safe estimate. I, I don't think either of us would be surprised if he pushed past the twenty goal mark. Exactly. Just with the way he's he's played in the first three games, with you know considering the fact that he scored two goals in two games last year, he certainly got the the skill to do so. The and reason the knack for the net. The reason why I'm cautious about it is playing at this level for eighty two games. Right. At some point, there's a wall. Mm-hmm. There's a, a plateau that you get to, but. Um, I would like to say, yeah, he, he gets 16 more goals. He'll get about 18. Jen Dunn asks, when is the next Canes cast? Well, it's right now. Right now. Hope you are Happening here. It. And you're listening to it. Thank Hopefully on that. Monday, if not Tuesday. And good Tuesday to you. Yes. Or happy game day. Thank you for the kind words, Jen. Uh, she says she really enjoys the podcast. Uh, Chris asks, do we have video of John Forslund talking to Trip, or excuse me, taking Trip to tie? I can't read today. Taking trip to Taco Bell yesterday after the game. No, we do not. No. No. Did that happen? No. Yeah, probably not. No, because Trip could not wait. He had to go get Taco Bell. Okay. And John has uh, post-game responsibilities (laughs) still to break it down. Uh, But if we do get video, we will share it with you. Maybe that's an idea for a road feature. All right. Well, this kind of encapsulates the goalie question, so we'll get to this one. If you're ready, I'm going to combine two. Uh, franchise time, Russell franchise. Do you see Brindy? I didn't know he was that tight with Rod Brindamore, but wow. that's cool. 
Rod Brindamore has lots of friends, so I'm not going to doubt it. Possibly keeping three goalies on the roster when Darling comes back to being healthy, or will somebody be shipped off to Charlotte until needed? I'll tie this into Isaac McClellan's question, which is, if Curtis McElhaney continues to play well, does he stay over Morazic? Hmm. Um, keeping three goaltenders on the roster is hard. The Hurricanes did it, oh, how many years ago was it? Four, maybe? Yeah. When they had Justin Peters, Cam Ward, and uh, the third goaltender is escaping me. I'm not sure if it was if it would have been Brian Boucher or which iteration of the backup goaltender that was. Oh, man. But they did it for, I think, the last couple of months of the season, and it's just it, – it's difficult because there are only two nets Wasn't in Michael practice. Leighton involved in that? I want to say Maybe. he was. Maybe. What season are we looking at? I'll do the quick research for I you. I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe it was the 2013-14 season. All right. We'll see if you're right on that. So keep if not keep, if if not keep it was answering the, the question fifteen season keep um, answering the question I will be right here for you. It's tough because there are only two nets in practice, so you're looking at either two of the goaltenders not getting full reps, or you're splitting reps between three. It's not as much a, a concern of uh, cap space because the Hurricanes have plenty of cap space. That's not a concern at all. It's just from a from a rep standpoint in practice. It's just kind of difficult. So the options the Hurricanes have are fairly limited. Uh, the one I think that most people would assume would happen is just Curtis McElhaney would go back on waivers, uh, in, in which in all likelihood, unless he's with the team for a month and plays 10 games, he would be reclaimed by Toronto, and then they could assign him to their AHL affiliate yeah. without needing waivers. So, of course, why would they not at least put in a claim on him? Um but I, I, I think a lot remains to be seen about how both he and Kurt, uh, excuse me, Peter Mar I almost called yeah. him Curtis Mrazek. Wow. Uh, Peter Mrazek play over the next couple of weeks while Darling is still injured. Um, and, and at the same time, too, perhaps the Hurricanes hold on to three goaltenders in the early stages of, of Scott Darling coming back just in case he were to re-injure um, his lower body. But I think what they're doing now is, is being cautious yep. and not rushing him back, knowing that they have two pretty solid options in that. By the way, I, I do think that one of the things that the Hurricanes can do, and again, the motto of the podcast, they don't tell us anything. And we definitely don't know anything. That was also, <laughs> also part of today where they definitely don't tell us anything. Uh, and then we get to a few other things that do happen. Um, but with Scott Darling, you could have the luxury of having him play a week in Charlotte yes. and see if he's ready to go so you can juggle the goaltenders for a while. And that wouldn't be a bad idea either because Scott Darling has yet to see pucks in a regular season game. So having him play uh, a game or two a couple weekends in Charlotte on a conditioning stint, which he would have to agree to, yes, would – uh, just, I think, work him back into game action so that he would be more up to speed than if you were to just kind of throw him in blind to, you know, a game in, in late October, early November. Yeah, and I mean, the good news about it, too, is it's not like some team's AHL affiliate where you got to ship him halfway across the country. It's either a 45-minute flight 
or it's what a two hour and fifteen minute car drive. Depends how fast you drive. I'm I'm gonna go with yeah, two and a half. Observing the speed limit. Perhaps three with traffic. Thank you very much, Michael Smith. And there's always traffic because it's a disaster. Yeah, that's like I don't think there will ever not be road work going on from the drive Raleigh to Charlotte and vice versa. I don't know how they decided to make the entrance into Charlotte coming from Raleigh, but engineers. Not, what would they thought? Just we're going to be on a wagon train for the rest of our lives? <laughs> All right. Anyways, that's my not naming names or anything. Exactly. That's my <laughs> rant on that. But uh, there's there's time for the goalies to figure it out. But certainly Curtis McElhaney can make this decision much tougher. And it's not Rod Brindamore alone his decision to make. It's the front office. It's the general manager Don Waddell. It's the assistant general managers. It's it's Tom Dundon. There's again. This is a, a committee approach to this team, so I'm sure everybody's going to have a vote. But the guy who's got the biggest say is Curtis McElhaney. If he comes out and continues to play like he did against Columbus, then he's going to make the Hurricanes front office have to make a decision. Uh, the year that you were referring to, 2013-14, uh, with the three goalies, Anton Hudobin, Cam Ward, Justin Peters. Mm, there we go. And uh, there was, between them, a good uh, hunk of hockey played by all three of those goaltenders. Hudobin played uh, in 36 games. Cam Ward played in 30 at the injury that year. And Justin Peters played in 21. So that is the year that you were looking at. You were correct, Michael Smith. Oh. With help from Correct every once in a while. Oh, you're correct more than every once in a <laughs> while. Uh, and sorry, Isaac and Russell, that I tied you guys together, but it was the question that was, I think. It's okay. We're all friends it was here. worth it. Okay, moving on. Hey, hey, what do you say? Ask. We've is that John some... Forslund? No, oh. I don't think so. Uh, it's Enrod We Trust, which, again, not a name, but uh, close. I almost spilled my drink there. Oh, please. We've seen, <laughs> <Moving that. laughs> We've seen some high-scoring games so far this year across the league. Do you think it has to do with uh, the new smaller goalie gear? Have you heard any comments from the tenders about how they feel about the pads? I think we've sort of touched on this. I think it's just a tendency uh, that you see at the beginning of the year where teams are kind of figuring it out. Um, there's some barn burners like we saw on Sunday night, and I think it's going to settle down. Yeah. Uh, the goalies haven't commented about it, and to be honest with you, yes, while the equipment is slightly smaller, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, I mean it is. We look at it every day, and, yeah. you know, yes, this is going to be <laughs> – I want to be careful with my <laughs> phrasing here on all of these careful. things. Careful. So <laughs> – any reduction in size mm -hmm. will lead to a bigger output. There you certainly. go. Uh, Next but, question. <laughs> but uh, I, the goalies haven't complained about it, and it wasn't like in the preseason games where we, we saw a couple of really high-scoring games, but you know games were pretty low-scoring, You know, pretty typical. I think we'll see it. The goalies are so good now, and the equipment is still similar to it. It's, if they had them play in the stuff that the guys were wearing in the 80s, before everybody just started putting, you know, sofa cushions on to play goal. See a little bit of difference. Did I handle I think I handled that question I think so. well. Yeah. Gene McAfee asked, why does number fourteen, that'd be Hurricanes Captain Justin Williams, stand off to the side and not with the others during the anthem? Um this is uh I haven't asked him about this, but uh I have asked people around him. It's just what he does. Hockey players are weird. Uh it's just one of his idiosyncrasies that he just uh, doesn't stand with the other players during the anthem. That's it's not it's not a uh, not anything more complicated than that. Um, people just have their traditions, and that happens to be one of his. Yeah, that's it. 
Now, do we tweet at Gene going, what are your suspicions? That's okay. Okay, we'll leave that there. Uh, I've got a few more for you. This one, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. But at the same time, I think it bears repeating. The fourth line has been great so far. This is from Hope at Hopey234. The fourth line has been great so far, but when, if, do you think there'll be changes, especially Svetch moving up once Rask is back, and does that push Natchez down to the fourth line? I mean, Rod Brindamore said as much. There's going to be changes during the course of the season. Yeah. Somebody's going to move up. Somebody's going to move down. Unfortunately, uh, there's other circumstances that play into it, but overall, yeah, I think we're going to see some changes here and there. Uh, the Victor Rask situation would be the most intriguing one to me yes. because – where does he slot in when he comes back from his hand injury? And what does that do to like a player like Lucas Walmark? Or, you know, if it's Victor Rask, Jordan Martinuk, and Andrei Svechnikov, do people still view that as a fourth line? You know, these are all questions that you have. But it's a good question. There's a lot of people who have that. Uh, I think you missed it. Uh, the, if you like it, take it. Svech will begin yeah, slotting in the top six by November. Skip my mind. I you know thought what? of it earlier. And... You know what? It's, it's, it's a, a going back to it. Uh, I'm not going to take it. I'll send that one back. Okay. Because it says by November. Yeah, that's there's, soon. There's no reason to change what's working for this team. No. he uh, Rod Brindamore said as much today. Uh, he doesn't plan on changing that that trio of Svechnikov, Walmart, and Martinuk. And, and why would you right now? It's a, yeah. Everything seems to be working just fine. That line is pretty reliable. I, I think it was one of the Hurricanes' best lines uh, the other night in Columbus. And, yeah, and they Brindamore, were very good in Columbus. And, and Brindamore's just rolling four lines with confidence because yeah. he, he's got four lines that, that can play. Folks, so. it's a tough thing to do. And, you know, the funny thing is I'm the dinosaur who kind of bristles at, oh, you need all these numbers to stare at now. <laughs> but one of the hardest things as fans to do to break ourselves of are things that, well, it's been this way forever. Coaches want to roll four lines. If a coach could, you know, certainly there are special players, but if a coach could, he would have every line play like 16 minutes a game. I don't know how that math works out, but, yeah, I don't, you know, I that's don't know. what they would do. Like your top line would, would play like 18 minutes and your lowest uh, minute line would play like 14 minutes. Like if a coach had his way, if you could do that. You don't want to put guys out on the ice for 20, 21 minutes as a forward group if you don't have to. So that's it. I mean, it's a good question, and I get I get every fan is so excited about this. And, oh, my God, we got a shiny new toy. Let's put it out there. Ah! Calm down. Let it happen. All right. I, I don't know what just happened there. I think <laughs> I, I think I got possessed. I think one of the eyeball might have popped out of socket. I was going to go on a rant, and instead <laughs> I went in a different comedic zone there, and I wasn't even trying to be comedic it about okay. it. okay. This is all right. Is it okay? So, uh, Where are we? if we are we frightened good? anybody. Just, I just blacked out. What's going on? <laughs> Grant Merritt, uh, I think this is the last question we have. Why is the Canes logo on the floor of the locker room covered up? So nobody stands on it. That's correct. It's not. There's not always a Hurricanes logo-shaped carpet on top of the Hurricanes logo, but when there is activity in the locker room, there is a Hurricanes-shaped carpet or Hurricanes logo-shaped carpet on top of the Hurricanes logo. It's so the logo doesn't get dirty. It's so, the whole yeah. don't step on the logo thing. I wish the team, like other teams, would just put it up in the ceiling, but maybe that happens uh, sometime down the road. Hopefully. Yeah. Also, it's just the logo. It's at center ice. Players skate over it all game. Players can walk on it. It's other people. Uh, that's how, some that's players how it don't works. Walk yeah. on it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I try to avoid it, but that's just one of those it's things. It's a that, silly debate. 
No, it's, it's one a of those silly things. Thing. No, it's one of those things where you know, you ever play baseball? I never, I never stepped. I, have, on, I was terrible at it. It doesn't matter. I never stepped on the chalk. Never. I would, I would make sure that I did not step on the chalk. Maybe that was why I was bad. I would kick the chalk everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now you're breathing in chalk. <laughs> you weren't ready to go. It's the least so, of my problems. Exactly. Well, that's it. But I mean, everybody's got a superstition. That's just it's one. Yeah. You know, you don't step on the logo. It's twofold. You don't step on the logo, and then it also doesn't get the logo dirty. Yep. So there you go. And it's not always done. It comes up. No. Uh, I would like to add this to the podcast. So we say goodbye to strength and conditioning coach Bill Berniston here. Bill, oh. you can you can join us next week. Or you should probably just stay and listen because it's your favorite part of the podcast. I would agree. <laughs> Food on the road. Yes. New segment. We went to – we get asked about Insert this a lot. Jingle. But we're going to come back. <laughs> with, uh, when they're road trips, when we do the podcast, we're going to – I think we should give people Ooh. places where we ate. Speaking of, we'll be doing a podcast from Tampa Bay next week. Yes, we will. So, uh, we won't be eating in Winnipeg, mind you. No. Thank God. <laughs> no. I don't know if that's going to get me in trouble <laughs> no. with Winnipeg. It, it, it might, but uh, it's just we're in and out, so it, there's like- Winnipeg's there's no... fine. There's an Earl's, and it's fine. Yes, but- <laughs> All right, Michael. Thank you. I thought my blacking out on the Svechnikov thing was- <laughs> But this one's gonna get us into some trouble. We ate at uh, hot. We had chicken. a good run. We ate at hot chicken takeover. <laughs> if that's what gets this podcast shut down, we have been on we borrowed time, my almost friend. Almost made it to the end of sixty episodes. <laughs> uh, hot chicken takeover. Yes, which is located where in Columbus, Ohio? Uh, in North Market, which is downtown. It's just a great spot, and you know when you do something really well, there's no reason to go crazy with it, but they do. As in the name, hot chicken. So yes. Nashville hot chicken, which mm -hmm. is where it kind of became famous. I honestly think they might do it a little better than Nashville, but well, we've got there's a couple more places in Nashville we got to check That's out true. for that. But go there, get the uh, the sandwich meal, and uh, get extra ranch too. Now, I will allow ranch on Nashville hot chicken, not on chicken wings. Mm -hmm. Just so we're clear on that. And man, it's so good. It's, it's so good. It's really delicious. I was. Looking forward to it uh, for much of the summer. And now we have to wait until March until we get it again. Yeah, we do. It's a long That's sadness. Wait. Yeah. So to our Sorry friend, to bring everything down here at the end of the podcast. And we've uh, we've kind of hipped a couple of people to that spot. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Yeah, if you ever PR need. PR director Mike Sunhunt. Yes. If who, you ever need food suggestions on the road. We're the guys for we're you. We're the guys. So we'll have a couple more in uh one for minnesota and possibly tampa at the time so we're there yeah we yeah. not one for winnipeg we'll try we'll no, see what we can do earls i don't think we're gonna go to earls for no. game day lunch no. just so you know there's like a moxies or something in the stadium or uh milestones i think is All what right, it well, is well, that's fine. an mts Sandra. thank you well one, one of the one of my favorite places to watch a hockey game because it is um Intimate. It's so intimate, and then it gets super loud because it is so intimate, and the fans up there uh, love their Winnipeg Jets. See, you're not fooling any of them. I love you, Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> you are not fooling anyone. They know. They know. 
And that'll do it for this edition of the Canes cast where Michael Smith is happy he's not going to eat any of the fine Canadian cuisine in Winnipeg. So for the webs and Winnipeg hater Michael Smith. Wow. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. <laughs> we may come from to you from Tampa Bay or no. we might not. We'll no, see. No, we, we will. <laughs> I think we'll sneak one more in. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.